Here's PT Meal Physical Therapy Podcast once again. In this episode, I had a pleasure of meeting for the first time and talking to Lance Frank, Doctor of Physical Therapy, about male pelvic health as a male clinician. It's more common to notice in women in the pelvic floor specialty, but there sure is a need for male physical therapists in this world as well. Lance is the owner of Flex PT ATL in Atlanta, Georgia, catering to fitness athletes, pelvic health and wellness consultations, and welcomes all genders in his practice. So we talked about how he started his practice, especially in pelvic health, common conditions he sees in his patients. We also discussed the niche of pelvic pelvic health practice with a male practitioner. I asked him his thoughts about pelvic health PTs choosing or refusing to see patients of a certain anatomy. He shared some tips for men on what to look for in case they need to see a a pelvic floor PT. And lastly, he shared some pieces of advice to male physical therapists thinking about getting into pelvic health. Um, Another thing, uh, before I let you listen to the episode, uh, for the sake of the discussion, we when we said men or male in the in the in the context of our conversation, we meant people born with penises, regardless of how they identify themselves. So, all right, let's take a listen. All right, welcome back to another episode of PT Neil Physical Therapy Podcast, your weekly serving of insights, information, and inspiration about the physical therapy profession and practice from the experience and expertise of physical therapists around the world. I am Johan de La Paz. Uh, let's go on with the show. So in this episode, we are going to talk about another interesting topic, somewhat of a niche practice, if you can call it that way. Um, it's men's pelvic health from the perspective of a male uh, physical therapist. So I have today Dr. Lance Frank, the owner of uh, Flex PT ATL in Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Frank earned his doctorate in PT from Emory University and his master's degree in public health from the University of Missouri. He received his training in pelvic floor um, from um, Herman and Wallace, alcove education and pelvic guru. He treats all gender with pelvic floor dysfunction, including incontinence, sexual health concerns, pelvic pain, constipation, and LGBTQ plus related issues. So welcome to the show, Lance. I'm excited for our conversation today. Me too. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> so um, before uh, we dive into the topic, uh, could you give us a, a little background on how you started your journey as a physical therapist? How did you become a physical therapist and what led you to your current practice? Sure. Um, So I was a three sport athlete in high school. I was very active all through, you know, in elementary school, middle school, high school, very active in sports. I played, like I said, three sports most of my life. Basketball was my favorite um, and probably the one that I was the best at. and my senior year of high school, during my senior basketball season, I got injured and I needed to go I, before, up until that point, you know, 17 years old. I had never had experience with physical therapy before, but I got um, an injury my senior year of basketball and I needed to go to physical therapy. And, you know, the, the therapist that I worked with, she was amazing and she made therapy fun. And that was really kind of my first experience with PT. And I was like, this seems like a pretty cool gig. Um, so... 
I pretty much made up my mind after, after I finished, you know, my plan of care with her and finished out the rest of my basketball season and graduated high school that I was going to be a physical therapist one day. That was, I kind of made up my mind and kind of stuck to it. So I went through undergrad with that same exact plan. I never changed majors. I started out as pre-PT and kind of finished that way. And so my senior year of undergrad, um, I went to the University of Missouri, go Tigers. <laughs> and I, I, didn't, I only applied to one school and I didn't get accepted to that school, which was, you know, kind of a, a heartbreak. But um, so I kind of had to go with my plan B and then I had always had an interest with public health as well. So I started a master's degree and finished that from the University of Missouri as well. I got my master's and then my second year of the master's program, I reapplied to PT school and I got accepted to Emory um, down here in Atlanta. So I moved to Atlanta and I finished uh, my degree here. And during my last ortho clinical rotation, um, one of my clinical instructors had kind of put the idea in my head of pelvic floor dysfunction, like, or pelvic health in general. And at that point, and, you know, I don't know about (laughs) your PT career, but we got one lecture over pelvic floor dysfunction and it mostly pertained to pre and postpartum people with vaginas. So it wasn't a whole lot of information regarding pelvic health. So when my clinical instructor had asked, she was like, would have you ever thought about pelvic floor? Cause she did half pelvic floor and half ortho. So she had asked if I was, had ever thought about pelvic floor, you know, PT or and at that point I was like, I don't know anything about pelvic floor PT, but I mean, it sounds interesting. Like I I'll learn a little bit more about it. So I took my first course in pelvic floor, um, my last semester of PT school. And then right out of PT school. So I graduated in May. I started my first ortho slash pelvic job in January. And at that point in my career, I had only really heard of like a small handful of other men that were treating pelvic floor dysfunction. And they were mostly all on the West coast. So it was like Seattle and LA and San Diego. I didn't really know of anyone on the East coast um, that was treating pelvic floor disorder. So I thought that was kind of cool, you know, being one of the first at that time. So I thought one of the, one of the first male providers treating pelvic floor. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it and kind of my, I guess, trajectory of, of physical therapy in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were, you were uh, wondering uh, for us, cause I, I studied in the Philippines and we didn't have any semester or focus on pelvic floor. So oh. yeah. So um, the only time that we encountered just remotely a topic on pelvic floor is in therapeutic exercises uh, about pregnancy. So that's right. it. <laughs> and that's yeah. the, that's the only thing that we discuss about anything about pelvic floor. Very, very little. I feel goes into the, in terms of pelvic health goes into the, the physical therapy curriculum, which I feel like is a disservice to all PTs in general, because, you know, the pelvic floor plays an important role of your core. And I, it, I would almost argue that all therapists should take at least a pelvic floor, like an introductory pelvic floor course, because it is such a vital component of, you know, orthopedics. And even in 
you said that you started in skilled nursing and, you know, incontinence is huge in skilled nursing facilities. So I mm-hmm. feel like in terms of therapy, I feel like PT curriculums do us a disservice by not covering it more. And mm-hmm. like I, like I said, we got one lecture over pelvic floor in my entire three-year, you know, doctorate program. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's something that's not really talked about when you're going through your education. <laughs> that's right. So I, when I was, uh, I was telling you when I was in a skilled nursing facility, I had a lot of questions from um, my male patients that, oh, uh, can you do anything about my incontinence? Because uh, they came from the hospital, had it, having those indwelling catheters and they would most of them would really ask me are there exercises that I can do or can you do something in physical therapy about my incontinence and my usual answer then was like um I guess you have to talk to your doctor about that (laughs) because I wasn't really I I can't really say that I know I'm knowledgeable about that topic so and I don't know if it's it's going to be part of billing uh, I mean, providing um, pelvic floor exercises, is it part of the therapeutic exercise right. uh, <laughs> bill, bill? So I wasn't sure. That's why I attended the, I attended the course from Herman Wallace. So um, yeah. going into pelvic health, pelvic floor, and you, you, you also, you already mentioned how that interest got you in there. So how did you, or what is the, the the steps that you took so that you learn more about pelvic floor and you're gonna like concentrate or have pelvic floor as one of your um, main practices? So, like I said, the first the first course I took of pelvic floor was my last semester of PT school. So mm-hmm. before I even graduated as a licensed clinician, mm-hmm. I I took a just like. Herman and Wallace's first pelvic floor introductory course. It's, it's mostly um, female pelvic floor dysfunction surrounding incontinence. So it's very, you know, entry level type course. And that's, it gives you a foundational knowledge to, to treat that. And Mm -hmm. from that, you can sort of use clinical reasoning and, um, doing your own research if something outside of that realm of, you know, the diagnoses that they teach comes up. And that's mm-hmm. kind of honestly what I did. I just, I took the first course and over the course of, you know, I guess I've been out of school four years now. Over the course of the last four years, I've just kind of spaced out my continuing education courses and I've, you know, based on clinical experience and just seeing patients in the clinic mm-hmm. and taking these continuing education courses. Like you mentioned, I've taken courses through Herman and Wallace and mm-hmm. um, Alcove education and pelvic guru. Mm-hmm. So I've just kind of combined all of that knowledge and that's helped guide my clinical practice mm-hmm. Going to, over the last several years. All right. Going to um, the pelvic floor practice, whereas uh, as a male practitioner, was there any, qualms or any doubts in your mind or were, were you worried that not many people might need or see you for pelvic floor rehab? I get that. I get that question a lot actually. Mm-hmm. And when I started out, honestly, I guess because I was, I, I was naive to it. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I have always 
I like to think that I give off a very non-threatening or, you know, <laughs> a very friendly vibe personality. So I, it never really kind of was in my head that people may not come to me because I'm a man. Mm-hmm. Um, but through clinical practice, I've only ever had, I mean, and I don't know what goes on behind, you know, closed doors when people are scrolling on the internet, trying to find a provider. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going through their thought process, but at least in front of me, the patients that I've had, I've only ever had one patient that she didn't refuse services or therapy. Mm-hmm. She just refused to, she, she declined an internal exam and mm-hmm. she just wasn't comfortable with it. And I said, that's fine. We can, mm-hmm. you know, treat it in other ways. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I haven't had any sort of kickback mm-hmm. from, for being a male provider in pelvic health. Mm-hmm. I will say, and I don't know, again, how naive this is of me or not, but I, I'm openly gay. I, I, I have a partner that I've been with for five years. I talk about him open and freely, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't admit that I think that plays a part in mm-hmm. you know, the female level of comfort, you know, be, feeling comfortable with mm-hmm. me. I, I think that you know, at least outwardly, I, I don't necessarily project a very heteronormative, you know, type of way about me. Mm -hmm. I feel like being open about being gay and I make it very clear on my website and my, um, my referral, my, I have a large referral network of like sex therapists and mental health therapists and massage therapists and some Eurogynes and OBs. And most of them know me on a professional level, but also on a personal level. And so, there's a lot of, I guess, gatekeepers before patients even get to me that mm-hmm. A, I'm a man, B, I'm gay, and C, I'm, you know, I have a doctorate degree that says that I can do what I do. So mm-hmm. I've never had any kickback, fortunately, mm-hmm. thankfully. Patients mm-hmm. have, if they're coming to me, it's because they want to come to me and right. they feel comfortable seeing me, mm-hmm. thankfully, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, so having that uh, network. Is really good. So, how did you build up that network uh, of of doctors, practitioners around you in your practice? Honestly, it's just kind of pounding the pavement. I mm-hmm. well, for one, there's not a lot of male, as we've been discussing, there aren't a lot of male providers doing True. pelvic floor physical therapy. Mm-hmm. So, especially on the East Coast, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, being one of a few. Mm-hmm. It kind of raises, not raises eyebrows, but, you know, perks some ears up whenever they hear there's a man treating pelvic floor dysfunction. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like a wow factor that's mm-hmm. really helped. Um, so talking to different people going around being like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is a population of people that I can treat. Mm-hmm. If you have anybody that fits into this X, Y, or Z diagnoses, like mm-hmm. they may benefit from therapy. So mm-hmm. when I first started and don't get me wrong, this has been a buildup of the last four years to get me to where I'm at right now. But when I first started, it was a lot of going and marketing to different, to different people, different providers, chiropractors, massage therapists, doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners. So anyone that sees anyone with pelvic floor disorders, I was going to and introducing myself and passing out business cards. And so I've been, I've been at various employers and various clinics before, you know, starting my own practice where I'm at now. And throughout all of that, I was kind of going and just meeting people. I love to network. I love to mm-hmm. talk to people and kind of give people an idea of who I am and what I can do. And so 
that's that's sort of how I built up my network just over the last couple of years, just really pounding the pavement and meeting new people. Every patient that I get, whether it's a referral or somebody just finds me on the internet, I'm constantly asking, like, how'd you find me? Who are you? Like, who else is in your care team that is helping you through this? And so if it's somebody that I haven't met, I'm reaching out to those people that it's, you know, it's all about networking. It's all about who can help, you know, who are like-minded individuals that can help you that are seeing the same clients as you. That's good. That's a good tip, networking and, and trying to put, put out your name as much as you can. So you're in your practice in Flex uh, PT, um, you're, you're, you're seeing all gender uh, in, in pelvic floor health. What is the percentage of that men and women? Sure. So right now, it's probably it's probably about seventy five percent pelvic, twenty five percent ortho, mm-hmm. um, orthopedic dysfunction, just general, you know, kind of run of the mill orthopedic dysfunction, and mm-hmm. then of the pelvic floor, I'd say it's about seventy five percent men and twenty five percent women that I'm oh. seeing. So most okay. of my caseload is male pelvic floor disorders, oh, good. which. It, not that I really, I'm not like heavily marketing that. That's just mm-hmm. sort of who's found me, I guess. Mm-hmm. My referral network, like I was talking about. Um, so yeah, that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's been good. My, I, I love treating all, you know, pelvic floor mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. All, all things pelvic floor is kind of what I hold dear, but my male pelvic pain patients, mm-hmm. like the, those are my favorites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but when I see a <laughs> pelvic pain, male pelvic pain diagnoses come in, that's what I kind of get excited about. Wow. wow, that's that's surprising, but that's also refreshing hearing that most of your patients are, are men and uh, that surely there's uh, a need for it, for yeah. having a, a male practitioner in, in the men's health um, pelvic floor um, world. Yeah. It's interesting. So you had mentioned that article earlier about the Herman and Wallace. Herman and Wallace put out an article about mm-hmm. um, male providers and, mm-hmm. and pelvic health. And a lot of men, and I, I'm, I'm just kind of lumping here and not mm-hmm. want to be stereotypical, but a lot of men, at least in my experience, have mm-hmm. voiced that they appreciate someone with, you know, the same anatomy as mm-hmm. them being able to relate Mm -hmm. to the dysfunctions that they're having. Um, Some of, some of my patients have really appreciated the fact that I have the same equipment that they have and that when things aren't working Mm -hmm. exactly the way they want it to, I have the equipment that I can kind of relate to. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, that's very gender, you know, stereotypical. And I, I try to avoid being, you know, so binary, Mm -hmm. but a lot of my cisgender men really mm-hmm. appreciate the fact that I have the same equipment and I know the anatomy and I have the background and the education to relate to their, mm-hmm. their problems. Mm-hmm. So that's been interesting to see. <laughs> I guess it's the same with the uh, cis female uh, patients who would go to or prefer uh, women uh, in, in exactly. terms of pelvic health because they would feel that they're, concerns are being understood because they have the same anatomy for sure. Uh And so with that, 
like I said, about 25% of my pelvic floor caseload is female pelvic mm-hmm. floor dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like, I mean, everybody's got preferences, but right. some people just, some people just don't care. And uh-huh. most of my women, well, all of my women that I'm seeing clearly, you know, they don't care who's mm-hmm. helping them. They just want to get better. Right. So I don't, I don't want to like box people in right. and say that, you know, like one gender or one person prefers it's, it's honestly preference and what right. people like who's going to help them get better. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. Have you had um, patients or met patients that say that, Oh, I've seen another pelvic floor PT, but I think I prefer to see you rather than that other physical therapist. Have you had that experience? I have. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, I mean, it happens, but just mm-hmm. like, you know, just in any other regular, just orthopedic you mm-hmm. know, is for, you know, for instance, right. patients can relate better. Patients can vibe better with patients can like a certain therapist treatment style better mm-hmm. than another person. And not that mm-hmm. that other person is doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. They're both probably trying to achieve the same goal. There's just different ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had patients come to me after seeing another pelvic floor therapist or other pelvic floor therapists that, you know, it's just ultimately it's up to patient preference. preference. If, if they're not seeing results or if they don't really appreciate the way that things are going at their, their prior clinic, I've had mm-hmm. patients come to me and voice those concerns. And mm-hmm. again, it's just all about preference. What, what patients prefer. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. 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 So um, good one. Uh, it's that you have m- more, men coming uh, to you for physical pelvic floor physical therapy because there's really that need there. Um, but of those um, patients, um, are all of them receptive to internal assessment or um, do, do you still have to tell them the um, go through all the, you know, convincing or, um, describing what it is for and what it can do. Sure. Um, I mean, I personally haven't had any kickback from any mm-hmm. patients. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I'm only, <laughs> I'm pretty direct. Uh-huh. I, I speak freak, uh, frankly, but I'm also uh-huh. pretty, pretty direct about to patients. If I, if I think that they will benefit mm-hmm. from an, in, from an internal assessment or internal mm-hmm. treatment. I mean, I, I, I say it up front, like, listen, I think you're, you would really benefit or that your symptoms would benefit from an internal assessment and treatment. Mm -hmm. I haven't had anybody. I mean, as of now, fortunately I've had, I haven't had anybody refuse that. Uh I think patients know coming in that they have an idea of pelvic floor, Mm -hmm. you know, what that entails, but Mm -hmm. it's not until, and I'm very, I, a lot of, so I spend my initial evaluations with, with pelvic floor patients are 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I spend a lot of, most of that time is just talking, talking mm-hmm. and education. Mm-hmm. And, and most of that time is explaining what the pelvic floor is, what mm-hmm. exact, like why that they're there, why they refer to pelvic floor therapy and how I can help them achieve the goals that they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And so after a lot of education, a lot of talking, I explained to them, you know, what I would like to do if you're okay with it is mm-hmm. do a pelvic floor exam mm-hmm. that involves an external and an internal exam. Mm-hmm. And here's why, like, here's why that 
I think that this is needed or indicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, spending 90 minutes with people and talking for most of it, I think when people feel heard mm-hmm. and people feel, you know, you have to build just like with any therapy, you have to build that right. rapport mm-hmm. even more. So I would argue with pelvic floor therapy because it's such an intimate, you know, that's true intimate experience. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of rapport building. You have to create space for people to feel comfortable enough to let you, you know, do the things you need to do to help them. Mm-hmm. And so with all of that being said, I haven't had anybody refuse an internal exam that I thought would benefit from one. Gotcha. Right. Um, recently there was a, a discussion on uh, physical therapists refusing um, patients of a certain gender, pelvic floor physical therapists refusing treatment for a certain gender. Uh, I think it was posted in in one of the physical therapy uh, groups in Facebook. And uh, I think the premise is that some probably uh, female physical therapists refuse to treat male physical therapists and some male physical therapists refuse to treat um, some female uh, female patients. Um, so, and, and the question was, is that um, ethical or is it something uh, that we should force physical therapists to do to see all gender in their pelvic floor practice? But so for you uh, as, a, as a pelvic floor physical therapist, what is your take on that? <laughs> That's a very good question. And that's mm-hmm. one that I, that's one that I, I don't want to say grapple with, but it's always in the back of my mind. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, I know you found me on TikTok, And so there's, I recently posted a, a video series about this very topic. And let me start by saying that with the, the me too movement and mm-hmm. the whole, um, Michigan State gymnastics team and Larry Larry Nasser incident. I am very cautious about mm-hmm. those people with vaginas coming to see me and mm-hmm. making it very clear and making the expectations and what what is therapeutic mm-hmm. about what we're what we're intending to do. Mm-hmm. So I know like sexual assault and all of that is weighs heavily on people's minds, especially mm-hmm. my female. PT colleagues that are in pelvic health, a lot of, a lot of my colleagues and friends don't see male patients because of that very instance, not necessarily them doing anything wrong, but because Mm -hmm. of the male patients being inappropriate or Mm -hmm. making advances that aren't Mm -hmm. therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Um, For me personally, Mm -hmm. I want to be as inclusive and I want to be I want to be a safe space for anybody that needs help. Mm-hmm. Um, it it may be a risk that I'm taking by seeing all genders, but again, I'd like to think that being a good person and educating out my eyeballs about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it mm-hmm. is going to create an environment that people feel welcomed and people feel safe and mm-hmm heard and understood um and it's also a fine line of only of saying that you're only going to treat one gender versus the other 
because there are those who don't identify with one gender or the other and gender, you know, is on a spectrum and right. I, I market heavily and I'm, I am a huge proponent for the trans population and making sure that they get the care that they need. And so if you, if you, if you start to say that you're not going to see an entire gender because of, you know, fear of, of some sort of kickback, mm -hmm. then what are those who, you know, fall in the middle or, you know, fall to somewhere else other than just that category mm -hmm. It becomes very exclusive, and right. I I try as hard as I can to be an inclusive provider, regardless of who I'm seeing. So I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm just like too. I'm too. I have too much of a bleeding heart. But mm -hmm. I, me personally, I see all genders, and I market that because mm -hmm. if somebody feels more comfortable seeing a male than a female pelvic floor physical therapist, then who am I to say that I don't, I'm not going to treat you because right. I don't feel safe or comfortable mm -hmm. being in the same room alone with you, mm -hmm. you know, right. again, I also think having that, <laughs> not many people can say that being queer is a benefit, but in this mm -hmm. aspect, being gay, I feel mm -hmm. like also adds to my like layer of my feeling of safety, I guess, mm -hmm. because I, I don't, I would hope that a female wouldn't accuse me of any sort of sexual misconduct because that's frankly just not what I'm interested in. <laughs> so um, again, I, I feel, I guess, fortunate in that mm -hmm. aspect that mm -hmm. I have that as part of my, you know, who I am, my identity, because right. it's, it's not something that I'm concerned about, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I know that I have other um, straight male pelvic floor colleagues that take extra layers of precaution that have texts or assistants or aides that mm -hmm. either sit outside the room or in the room with them whenever they're doing pelvic floor exams mm -hmm. um, or pelvic floor treatment. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's very clear, like, mm -hmm. like I mentioned, it's very clear when patients come to see me that mm -hmm. they are seeing a male provider. Like mm -hmm. there are so many, I take so many steps before patients even get into my door that they know that they're seeing a male provider. So mm -hmm. if they're there for me, it's because they want to be. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I just sort of word vomited a lot, but it's, <laughs> it's a, a topic that I get asked a lot and mm -hmm. it, I have a lot of feelings about it. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. in terms yeah. of my female colleagues though, I don't think that it's, you can't force anyone to treat, you know, anyone if they're not, sure. if they don't feel comfortable. I, like, right. If I was forced to treat somebody that would make me angry. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like necessarily being told what I need to do or what I have mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. I, I do things because I want to do thing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if my, I feel like it would be a disservice to force PTs or female, you know, PTs to treat male patients, mm -hmm. even if they're uncomfortable with it. Right. But then there, on the other hand, you do have these male patients that genuinely do need help and care. And a lot of times there are only female pelvic floor therapists around. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a catch 22. It's a double edged sword. Like whose, whose interests come first. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the answer for it. I'm not a, I'm not an ethicist. So <laughs> yeah, right. um, 
I, I can only speak for me personally and I try to be inclusive as I can. Um, and I guess that also goes into a little bit of privilege, like my, my privilege of being a male provider. I feel safe around everyone. I don't, I don't, I'm not constantly thinking about, is this person going to assault me or, you know, be, um, take things the wrong way or, mm-hmm. you I, I don't, I don't really think about that. And mm-hmm. I take that for granted because a lot of my female colleagues are always mm-hmm. thinking about whenever with their male patients, like, are they going to get an erection? Are they mm-hmm. going to be inappropriate? Right. Are they going to make advances on me? And I'm going to have to cut the sessions short. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I have conversations with my, my friends and colleagues about this all the time. And again, I, I sometimes take it for granted that I'm not really ever worried about those things because I am a man. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I agree with you that there's, you know, um, as it's good that you're you're really just striving to be like inclusive to all gender, but yeah, but other uh, physical therapists might have some, you know, we don't know if they have some history, uh, traumatic history or, or something. Uh, so for me, I guess it's it's also a matter of being like comfortable or what they're trained for or you know, uh, what are the logistics in their practice, if they have extra people to like come over to watch them do the assessment. So so I guess I kind of understand um, where they're coming from in, in refusing um, a certain gender in their practice. They might do a disservice if they're not really, unsure, if they're not really sure of a certain like anatomy, for example. Yeah. So better um, refer them to those who are really in that lane. So um, talking about men's um, pelvic floor, men's health, um, what are the common conditions that you encounter in your practice in terms of a men's health? So I see a lot of pelvic pain. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny. Well, it's not funny. It's interesting that currently right now my caseload, I have four testicular pain patients on my caseload. And it, I mean, diagnoses come in waves. It's, Mm -hmm. I mean, just like ortho, um, different diagnoses come in waves. But right now I have testicular pain. I have just general pelvic pain. Um, I have a few erectile dysfunction patients. I have a few, I have one pain with erection and ejaculation. Oh, wow. Um, I'm trying to think. I've got some constipation patients from that are, you know, driven by overactive pelvic floor, among other things, but the driver is pelvic, an overactive pelvic floor, some outlet dysfunction. Mm-hmm. I have a few post-prostatectomy patients with erectile dysfunction, ED, um, and some urinary incontinence that we're working on. So it's kind of a mixed bag. I, mm-hmm. I w- I'm not going to say I have, you know, one diagnosis over the other, but right. let's say pelvic pain, testicular pain, pain with erections, mm-hmm. a lot of pain patients, mm-hmm. not a lot of incontinence. Or mm-hmm. There's a couple, like I said, constipation, but mostly sexual dysfunction patients mm-hmm. and pelvic pain. That's probably the the biggest category of patients that I have right now. And 
uh, of those patients, what are your usual age range? Are these the mostly the adult, older adults, or do you see like young adults as well? No, in my in my history of being <laughs> my short history of being a PT, I'd say the average like age range of patients, mm. you know, late twenties to like 40s 50s mm-hmm. i'd say my older population tends to be more of my post prostatectomy patients with some urinary incontinence and ed mm-hmm. um, but like pelvic pain and like sexual dysfunction or you know pain with orgasm ejaculation erections that gotcha. tends to be my like late 20s to mid 40 early 50 range mm-hmm. patients mm-hmm see so it's a it's really varying for each age range oh. yeah i mm-hmm. i don't see i mean i can't think of any patient that i've seen that was under the age of you know i think the youngest patient i've seen is 24 mm-hmm. so most of my patients are mid-20s and above mm-hmm. and i don't treat i don't treat peds or pediatrics mm-hmm. i don't Anything under 18, I refer out. I that So that is where I draw a line. <laughs> uh, gender, gender, I'm fine with. But anything under 18, I refer out. Because uh-huh. that's just, it's just me. I'm a solo practice and I don't want to take, that's a risk I'm not willing to take. So mm-hmm. um, I refer that out. But mm-hmm. typically my patients are mid-20s and above. Gotcha. For, um, it's probably maybe some um, people can, would, encounter this podcast and wonder about pelvic floor. Um, what are the things that men should take note of if they observe something different about their uh, pelvic floor or what are the common signs and symptoms pe- men should take note of to know that they should see a pelvic floor physical therapist? That's a good question. Um, any kind of pain, any kind of pelvic pain, is definitely if you've seen your your medical provider and they've done all the tests and they've ruled out all of the sim or all of the all of the you know sinister things that it could be mm-hmm. then i would push for a to see a pelvic floor therapist because a lot of oh, it's sad a lot of my pelvic male pelvic pain patients a lot of times they found me on their own or mm-hmm. it wasn't until like the fifth sixth seventh I had one guy tell me that I was the 10th person to see him that like finally helped him with the symptoms, the Mm -hmm. the 10th medical, someone in the medical industry realm Mm -hmm. that he had seen before he finally got the help that he was looking for. Mm -hmm. And it's just so frustrating because not a lot of our medical field knows about pelvic floor therapy and the things that it can do and the things Mm -hmm. that it can help. So yeah, any kind of pelvic pain that can't be explained by a medical diagnosis or, you know, any sort of medical test, I would push for a referral to pelvic floor therapy. Um, like when I say pelvic pain, I'm talking about like pain with an erection or pain with ejaculation or orgasm, um, perineal pain, pain with urination or pain with bowel movements, all of that is not normal and should not be just kind of, you know, swept under the rug, which a lot of, I've heard a lot of from my, my male patients that, you know, they had one provider that said, Oh, that's normal. Like it'll be fine. Just here's some antibiotics for it. 
a lot of pelvic pain, especially male pelvic pain gets, gets kind of written off as a UTI or, mm-hmm. um, prostatitis. I could go down a whole podcast on prostatitis and my <laughs> thoughts about it, but a lot of my male pelvic pain patients get, um, just die or get prescribed antibiotics. And if there's no infection, why are we giving patients antibiotics? You know, mm-hmm. it's, but anyways, so yeah, pelvic pain, like I said, pain with erections, orgasm, climax, um, ejaculation, pain with urination, bowel movements. Um, and then more, I guess, kind of not sneaky, but things that patients wouldn't necessarily think of as being pelvic floor dysfunction or urinary urgency and frequency. I've seen, I have a few men on my caseload that say that, you know, they have to pee all the time, mm-hmm. regardless of how much fluid they take in. Oh, they okay. always have to pee. And when they have to pee, it's like a 10 out of 10 urge to pee. So urinary urgency, frequency, anything above, you know, the realm of peeing nine to 12 times is what we kind of can nine to 12 times over a, of a, a 24 hour period. Mm-hmm. Well, nine to 12 times over waking hours Mm -hmm. um, is what we consider normal or average. Mm -hmm. And so if you're peeing more than that, like every 30 minutes or every hour, that's, that's not normal. Um, Mm -hmm. Post void dribbling. That's a big one. I see where, you know, you're going to the bathroom, you finish peeing, you put your equipment away. And then as soon as you put it away and walk away from the urinal or the toilet, you dribble a little, or you leak a little bit, you wet, you wet your underwear that's not normal. It happens a lot in the male population or, you know, the, those with penises, it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, even those so, who are not in the older population. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see that more actually in the younger really? population that, uh-huh. you know, they've got post void dribbling where, mm-hmm. you know, they, they leak a little bit whenever they finish. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be leaking on your underwear when you finish going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's, I guess, uh, I, again, could go down a rabbit hole of a bunch of diagnoses, but mm-hmm. constipation is another one that, that pelvic floor therapy can help with. Mm-hmm. If you've seen a colorectal, you know, physician and, you know, they are ruling out all these tests that everything is quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. Outlet dysfunction is something that where the, the pelvic floor muscles don't allow the the bowels to move or to evacuate and so the pelvic the the pelvic floor isn't relaxing all of the way Mm -hmm. to allow patients to have a successful bowel movement Mm -hmm. and so that is something that i see in the clinic is outlet Mm -hmm. dysfunction Mm -hmm. um i'm trying to think those are some of the more common diagnoses that i see that patients would be would experience and then also anytime I would advocate, I would argue that any patient that undergoes a prostatectomy that has prostate cancer and gets their mm-hmm. prostate removed, you're getting about an inch of your urethra cut out because mm-hmm. it goes directly through your prostate. So if your prostate's taken out, your urethra is getting shortened and that's that skeletal muscle, the internal urethral sphincter gets take sometimes gets taken out. And so if you lose that kind of that that bridge of mm-hmm. that backup you know, gate of the floodgates, if that gets taken out and you're peeing on yourself, like 
some uh, doctors will say, so I've had some physicians, I've heard some physicians from patients say that, you know, that that'll come back, that'll get better, it'll, it'll get better. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't, and mm-hmm. they need, they need help mm-hmm. learning how to get better. So right. um, if you had a prostatectomy, and you're still having issues with incontinence, or even erectile dysfunction, not able to get a full erection, mm-hmm. sometimes pelvic floor therapy can be beneficial as well. Right. Okay. So, um, as yeah, going back again to probably some patients or people interested in, in, uh, men's health come across this podcast, what would you say is uh, a good advice for men, how to take care of their pelvic floor? <laughs> well, I guess my answer to that would go see a pelvic floor therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I am a huge proponent of preventative, mm-hmm. just like wellness screens. Mm-hmm. And whether you think you have a problem or not, it, mm-hmm. you know, just like you go to see your physician for a checkup, like mm-hmm. what's it going to hurt to go see a pelvic floor therapist? Um, a lot of times. And again, I would argue that, and I don't feel like enough ortho PTs do this either should be pushing kind of wellness screens on people like mm-hmm. yearly or, you know, quarterly or biannual just mm-hmm. check-ins mm-hmm. you go you go take your car to get an oil change you know every so thousand miles like why not maintain your body we put so many miles on our bodies and we're doing so many things all day long every day mm-hmm. like why not go you know just go see a therapist that mm-hmm. can do a movement screen or mm-hmm. do any sort of like wellness or preventative checkup i mm-hmm. Again, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about this, but <laughs> I, for pelvic floor specifically, like I don't want to give out any sort uh, of blanket statement like of what patients can do because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times when people think pelvic floor, pelvic floor dysfunction, they think the answer is to do, you know, Kegels. Kegels. Like, do, do your Kegels. That's true. Well, for one, <laughs> patients a lot of times don't know what they're oh. doing when they're doing a Kegel. Like mm-hmm. you patients may think that they're recruiting the right muscles, but a lot of times they're not, they're Mm -hmm. compensating with, you know, abdominals or glutes or Mm -hmm. inner thigh muscles. And and so a lot of times patients will just think, well, I should just do Kegels. And Mm -hmm. that's not always the answer because you're probably not doing them right. And (sighs) might not be doing good. (laughs) Yeah. You might not be. So in my clinical, in my clinical experience, my practice, what I see a lot of (laughs) And um, I don't want to be too expletive, but most of my men are tight asses. Like they literally like hold so much tension in the pelvic floor that they don't know how to relax. And mm-hmm. that is contributing to a lot of their symptoms. Mm-hmm. And so uh, patients are like, well, if I'm having these issues, I should just be doing Kegels when you are, you're, you're over recruiting an already overactive muscle group. Gotcha. So, a lot of times I teach patients how to just relax and lengthen, lengthen the pelvic floor and Mm -hmm. give it some, you know, some room to breathe because if you're always kind of stuck up in this tightened, heightened overactive position, a muscle, just like the pelvic floor is a muscle, a group Mm -hmm. of muscles, just like every other muscle in the body that has to go through the full range of I'm doing this. I don't know. Listeners can't see me, (laughs) but I'm bending my elbow because of the bicep. That's the example that I give everywhere or Mm -hmm. to every patient your bicep has to go through the full range of motion to be functional, to, to eat, to drive, to put mm-hmm. on clothes. You, you know, you gotta 
be able to bend your and straighten your elbow, right. your pelvic floor has to be able to contract and relax as well. And a lot of times I see patients are able to contract, but relaxing and lengthening and giving it that full range of motion is really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I see clinically a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so a blanket statement, I can't, <laughs> I can't really <laughs> advise on because mm-hmm. it just, it, it wouldn't necessarily right. be accurate. <laughs> so, so go see your pelvic floor physical therapist. Go see a pelvic you, floor therapist. <laughs> if you feel or sense something strange <laughs> Correct. Yes. down there. Yes. Yes. Just so go, uh, go for a consult. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that, I, I agree with that. If you're like, if we're taking our car to uh, the auto shop for maintenance, why can't we just like do that to our bodies? Makes sense. 100%. <laughs> so for um, probably uh, physical therapists or specifically male physical therapists who are interested in going to um, pelvic floor, men's pelvic floor, men's health, what can you advise them? It's a huge, a huge need. There's a huge need for it. Um, there are so many patients that need help. And in a lot of areas, in at least in our country, in a lot of areas, there are, it's mostly predominantly female pelvic floor therapists. So if there are male pelvic or male physical therapists that are listening that are interested in, you know, getting into pelvic floor, I mean, do it, just, just do it. If anything, take, take a male pelvic floor course and learn just kind of get your toes, you know, dipped in the water and mm-hmm. see what it's all about. And it sounds like something that, you know, is remotely interesting to you, then I would say go for it because there's a huge need for it. There are patients everywhere that need help. Mm-hmm. I mean, example being, I, I, again, I, my TikTok is, it's crazy how social media works, but it, because of, through that, I've, I've re- been able to reach, you know, thousands of people and mm. I get DMs, messages from people, specifically male patient or male you know, people all the time. Those mm-hmm. with penises ask like saying, oh, I wish you were closer. I would definitely come see you. Or I'm only able to see a female therapist. And I mean, my inbox is full of people, ma- mostly men who identify uh-huh. as male reaching mm-hmm. out to me that, or saying that they they wish I was closer, or they wish that there was a male provider closer that they could see. So I'm a huge advocate for men going into male pelvic floor, strictly, I mean, mostly because there, there aren't enough of us doing it. <laughs> That's right. All right, good. So again, um, um, we're already at the end of our interview and thank you again <laughs> for sharing your your experience and, and what you know, your practice in uh, men's pelvic floor. And uh, yeah, I, I we we can still talk a lot more about different topics in, in, in <laughs> under that. that. Hour went by so fast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, in, uh, questions that I, I want to ask you, but yeah, but thank you for for having this time for us, and and at least we have an idea that there's really a need for um, male practitioners to practice in uh, pelvic floor. Um, so um, just a last question that I have for you. Um, it's coming from the, the name of the podcast, PT Meal. So what are the three ingredients that you feel are essential 
uh, you, you carry with you every day, um, that um, three ingredients that make up who you are. It can be a, a belief, a principle, a motto, or a characteristic, an attitude. What makes up uh, Dr. Lance Frank? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I would say compassion. I try to be a compassion or compassionate. I'll say compassion slash empathy. Mm-hmm. Compassion slash slash empathy. I try to be a compassionate and empathetic provider. Um, uh, number two, I would say drive. I'm very I'm very driven. I'm I I like to be I like to lead and lead by example and that's always been who I've been very <laughs> mm-hmm. for better or worse type A <laughs> person I like to I like to be again I I'm very driven I'll say that <laughs> um and then C3 whatever <laughs> which one we are <laughs> I just try to be a good person. (laughs) You know, at the end of the day, being a good person can take you a long way. You know, just be kind. I try to be kind to everyone and I just ultimately try to be a good person. And I feel like at some point in time, karma will, you know, pay its respects to me if I'm just a good person to people. Um, compassion, empathy, uh, being driven, and being a good person. Three yep. things that make up <laughs> Dr. Lance Frank. All right. Again, thank you very much for being in the show. Uh, for those who want to try to reach you, uh, what are your uh, website or social media? Yeah. So my website is flexptatl.com. That's where you'll find kind of all about me and my, my practice and um my my socials instagram um flex pt atl that's my business one my personal one is lance underscore frank um tiktok lance in your pants oh, that's <laughs> that's, a good one. that's my tiktok name kind of funny humorous mm-hmm. plays on pelvic pt mm-hmm. um and then you can if patients are interested they can shoot me an email lance at flex And all of that we're going to put there in the show notes, show description, and the uh, podcast. Again, thank you very much for your time, Lance. No problem. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And there you have it. Another episode of PT Meal Physical Therapy Podcast. I know you're you're feeling you wanted some more of a conversation, but that's all the time that we have for uh, to speak with Dr. Lance Frank. But, you know, hopefully we can get get him back in, in the show and talk about more on uh, sexual health of men and how physical therapists um, can help uh, these conditions and, and also probably transgender issues, you know. So um, if you have any uh, questions, uh, any suggestions for me in the podcast show and if you want to join or be a part of the podcast, just let me know. I'm open. This is, you know, this show cannot be done but just one man, just me, you know, I think we can build a community out of this. So if you have an idea, 
in helping out the podcast and you, you want to be part of the podcast just shoot me an email or or dm me uh in facebook or instagram at pt meal podcast my email is at uh ptmealpodcast at gmail.com and you can also uh, check out my website ptmealpodcast.com right so till next week bye